0: Good morning, Covenant. Um, It's really amazing to be here as a grad. Um, One of my all-time favorite things and favorite memories about being at Covenant was worship and singing with each other. So it was a real treat. You sang two of my favorite songs. So thank you. Today I want to speak to you about what we can learn from the Chinese house church. We have a book coming out in April called Faith in the Wilderness. And this book contains um, sermons preached through the pandemic from Chinese house church pastors. If anything I say today really fires your soul, then I encourage you to pick it up when it comes out in April. Their words are very powerful. um, They're very reflective and they're very precious because of who has written them. The Chinese church is one of the most important churches for you to pay attention to. It's been one of the fastest growing churches over the last 50 years. And if trends continue, there will be more people praying to our God in Chinese than in all of Europe. Did you know that reform theology is one of the most significant trends in the Chinese house church? Did you know that Presbyterianism and Presbyterian polity is on the rise in China? As covenant students particularly, there is a lot you have in common with certain pockets of the house church. And today I want to encourage you to pay attention to them and learn from them. The World Christian Encyclopedia states that in 1970 there were fewer than 1 million professing Christians in China. That's 0.1% of the population. Now, there isn't clear consensus on how many Christians are in China today, but the conservative estimate is somewhere between 70 and 80 million. And more ambitious estimates exceed 100 million. Even allowing for the massive growth of China's population at the end of the 20th century, that's a 60-fold growth. And professing Christians across China. A friend of mine, sorry, this is, there we go. A friend of mine is a um, church planter, a Chinese church planter in Shanghai. And his baby church was scheduled to launch the week of the Wuhan lockdown and the breakout of the coronavirus. Of course, as you can imagine, there were a lot of questions about whether they should proceed or how to proceed. There was a lot of fear that the church plant might just fail. But one short year later, he sent me an update, and they had gone from 10 people at their first gathering to over 100 in a year. And on their first baptism Sunday, they baptized six adults and nine children. For the last several years, we've been watching church planting struggle in the U.S., I personally know at least two to three church plants that have just ceased to exist due to the pandemic. But my friend in China, he went from 10 to 100 in a year during the pandemic. Are you ever discouraged about American Christianity? How many of you would like to see revival in America? Here's what I suggest. If we want to see a revival in our country, I suggest that we begin listening to those who are currently experiencing it and theirs. I suggest that we read their words and hear what they have to say about living as disciples of Christ. I first went to China as a covenant student in 2005, and I got involved after that because, well, I was a history major nerd. Dr. Green, Um, shout out to the history majors. I was nerdy enough in college to get involved in China because I wanted to see the next chapter of church history being written. And I'm telling you that if you look outside of North America, you can see the next chapter of church history. But I can also tell you that it's not being written with power. Instead, in almost every corner of the world where the church is growing, it is doing so as a suffering and a marginalized church. And China is no different. The Chinese house church was birthed in suffering. When the Chinese Communist Party came to power in 1949, it did not abolish religious practice. This is a common misunderstanding outside of China. Instead, it simply required that all religions submit to the oversight and regulation of the governing authorities. Apart from the most intense decades of the Cultural Revolution, the Chinese Communist Party has not attempted to stop religious practice altogether from existing in China. Instead, it has simply requested that Christians submit to its authority. The party wants the love and the allegiance of its people. You can love both God and country, right? Well, in the early 1950s, roughly half of the Christian population in China decided that yes, this was possible. Hundreds of thousands of Chinese Christians signed a document called the House Church Manifesto. There's a picture of it up there. Pledging their love for China and allegiance to the government. But the other half said no under the leadership of Wang Mingdao. They said, we would rather lose our political privileges and rights in order to maintain this definition of the church. And this is what we call the house church today. And yet this church has grown in China without political privileges, without a public platform, and without institutions. I know a woman who was jailed for a month She is a ministry leader on a national level in China. She is a faithful servant of her local house church. Before becoming involved in ministry, she was a very successful businesswoman in a highly developed city in China. She, um, I had the opportunity to record her testimony of her time in jail. And I want to share with you what she said about it. Um it's a little long I will warn you. So uh, just hang on with me while I read. This is what she said. She said, "My prayers used to be more centered around my personal needs or the ministries of the church. It was similar in our church. We would pray about different things, but no matter how much we prayed, it did not seem like it helped us grow very much spiritually." During the first three days that I spent at the detention center, I had high hopes that God would deliver me and that I would be able to leave after a few days. But when I finally received a note that said I would be detained for a month, I made my peace. I saw how Jesus the Word became flesh and entered into our world, this world of darkness and of filth. At first, I really wanted to leave that place because those who were kept there with me were all thieves or drug dealers or prostitutes. But praying the Lord's Prayer helped me recognize who I was and what God's will for me was in that situation. On the third day that I was there, I suddenly understood and surrendered my heart to to the Lord and his Lordship and began to pray every day for the 40 soulmates who were there with me. God was so amazing. We were not allowed to share the gospel, but I prayed that his will would be done and that he would bring those that I could share the gospel with to me. Two of my cellmates ended up coming to our church after I was released. As I prayed, forgive my debts as I forgive my debtors, God helped me face my own sins. In particular, he helped me face my idols, the idol of comfort and worldliness, and the idol of wanting others approval. We had little privacy in there. We were often strip searched and we had not, and we did not have much food and had to sleep on a floor. But God used all of that to deal with my idolatry. As for the police and officers who arrested me, I had a lot of anger toward them at first, but I knew that I had to forgive them. Before I was released, an officer asked me, do you hate the government? At that moment, I realized I could not feel hate in my heart. They were amazed by my answer. While detained, I was especially worried about my church. I thought, this is the end. Our church must be divided now. I thought there would be no one to leave. Our church lead. Our church must have stopped gathering, and they must have stopped studying the Bible. So I prayed for the church according to the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But the most amazing thing happened. During the month of my detention, the church had not stopped worshiping. The reason was that pastors from other cities had traveled to our city to lead our little church in worship. Moreover, even more churches immediately set up three teams, a pastoral team, a legal team, and a prayer team in order to support us. That was why I was able to spend my days in detention quite joyfully. It is also why the Lord's Prayer closes with amen, because in all things we see God's glory being revealed. My time in detention was really quite all right, and I felt very thankful for that. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the kind of faith that I want for American Christianity. This is the kind of faith I want for myself. I want a faith that is more concerned with praying for the salvation, of the prostitutes and drug dealers than it is for praying for my own comfort. I want a faith that responds to persecution by repenting of my own sins and idolatry. I want a faith that doesn't hate my enemies. I want a faith that is primarily concerned with the good of my church when I myself am attacked. I want a faith that rejoices in and relies on the help of other Christians rather than competing with them. I want a faith that can thank God for his glory being revealed when I myself experience suffering. Can you feel it? Can you feel the revival that is taking place across China? And can you sense what we might have to learn from them? In particular, there are three distinctives of Chinese house church Christianity that I think we need to learn from. First, the Chinese church can teach us in America that prayer is doing something. Generally speaking, house churches pray, and they pray a lot. They regularly wake up at 5 a.m. to pray together before they go to work. During the last year of the pandemic, when their ability to meet in person was limited, they thought, okay, well, this is just an opportunity for more prayer, because we'll meet online. And we'll meet every day at 5 a.m. for a prayer. The Chinese church tells you that prayer is not a passive way to respond to the world's brokenness. Prayer is action. It is the first action of the church. Second, the Chinese church can teach us that the church is really the best gift we can give to the city. The Chinese Christians I know are active in and care about all sorts of mercy and social justice issues. But they believe that it is the church that builds the heavenly city here on earth. Because Christ is present with the church, therefore it is the primary blessing that we can give those that we love. And so through evangelism and church planting, they seek to give the gift of the the church to their cities. There we go. My husband would laugh at me. I'm not a very techie person. So, um, OK, third, the house church speaks loudly of the call to both personal and corporate repentance when the church comes under a pressure. As an American, I am often floored by the responses that I read coming from my Chinese brothers and sisters to the attacks that they experience. When the church in America feels like it's attacked, what does it do? Call a lawyer. Write an op-ed. Rethink the communication strategy. Prepare for the next election cycle. I wanna read to you the words of, maybe I can just get help with this. (laughs) There we go. Um, I wanna read the words of Early Rain Covenant Church. That's this church up here. Their pastor, Wang Yi, is currently serving a nine-year jail sentence for subversion of the state. This church has been violently harassed and attacked since 2018. According to international human rights law, they have every right to complain. And this is one of the many Presbyterian churches that are in China today. But this, this is what they wrote this last fall. after four years of pressure and hardship and attack this is a public prayer that they released to share with people where they are right now this is what they said righteous father we repent to you for the chinese house church's inward focus in the midst of persecution not only are we to live according to your holy law but we are also to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Lord, we need to repent before you. And many things we have not witnessed to your righteousness and have fallen short of your mercy. We have not prayed for the people of Hong Kong. We have not prayed for the people of Xinjiang. We have not even prayed for our brothers and sisters in bondage. Lord, may your Holy Spirit rebuke us And your gracious spirit uphold us so that we may be strong and courageous and remain faithful in the midst of persecution, not counting the gains and losses of this life, but thinking of the kingdom and the gospel to the last days to testify to you and glorify your name. This is a church undergoing active persecution. And their response is to go to the Lord and publicly repent for not following Micah 6, 8. Prayer, the church, and repentance. These are three things that I see marking the Chinese house churches we know. And I have to ask myself, are we marked by the same? As I close, I want to restate That if we are ever discouraged about the church in our own context, we need to raise our eyes and see what God is doing globally. It is time to expand the community of voices we are listening to. We must hear from the voices where God is doing something great. We need to let their words disciple us. I know I've been doing a lot of reading but I really believe their words are just too important and too good not to let them speak for themselves. So I want to read a short portion of a pastoral letter written by Wang Yi, the pastor I just mentioned, who um, is currently in jail. He titled this letter, Look Up and See the Vastness of the World. He wrote, if the God you believe in is only the god of Chengdu. Chengdu is the city he lives in. You could substitute it for Chattanooga. Then he is a tribal god. As for Lhasa or Cape of Good Hope, places you will never visit, then they exist outside the meaning of your life. If the god you believe in is only god of the construction industry, let's just substitute Covenant College, then he is an industry god. Only the construction industry and industries related to it are relevant to you. However, the church does not worship tribal or industry gods, but rather the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? If your master is, the, if your master, is master of the whole universe, then the whole universe is related to your life's meaning. The whole universe is your sphere of operation. Although you live, move, and exist in only one corner of the universe, unless every part is meaningful, your corner can never be meaningful. Colossians 1 says that Christ created all things, holds all things together, and is the head of his body, the church. I want to repeat that one line. Although you live, move, and exist in only one corner of the universe, Unless every part is meaningful, your corner can never be meaningful. A few months ago, many of us were horrified as we watched the chaos which engulfed a certain country in the Middle East as the last American troops departed after decades of occupation and then a former regime immediately resumed power. And I hope you can understand my veiled language and why I might use it. If you've followed the situation, you know that many questions remain regarding the future of this baby church in this country. In the days and weeks surrounding the troop withdrawal, I had the privilege of working with almost 20 leaders of Chinese house churches to draft a letter of encouragement urging the church in this country to remain steadfast in hope. We then collaborated with a group that has direct access to the house churches in this country. And this letter was written in Chinese, translated into English, and then translated again into the local language. And we know it's begun to be disseminated and read by many Christians facing extreme persecution, far more extreme than the Chinese church even is facing. This was an apostolic letter from one house church to another telling them, we understand we've not given up so far and the Lord has blessed us. Now we pray over you as you do the same. We're so afraid of the church losing culturally in America. What would we have to offer a church in the Middle East? What do we know of suffering? In this area, we are the weaker brother. We must turn to our older brothers in China who have not only endured as the church for the last 70 years, but have witnessed one of the most significant outpourings of the Holy Spirit in recent memory. What do I think we can learn from the Chinese house churches? I know many Christians in America today are afraid of the cultural and political environment which surrounds us. Many Christians fear the church losing its public voice. They fear cultural marginalization. They fear the loss of political rights. And to be clear, I don't want these things to happen either. But as far as I can say so without having been tested myself, I'm not afraid. And it's because I want what the Chinese house church has. I want Christianity that is marked predominantly by prayer by a conviction that the church is good for the city, and by public repentance for our own failures and idolatry. We need to hear their voices. We need to look up and we need to see the vastness of the world. Please, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the king over this whole world. We are constantly trying to set ourselves up as little kings. Lord, would you please tear down our idols, tear down the thrones that we try to make for ourselves. Jesus, give us courage. (laughs) Give us courage to lay aside our privileges and our rights and to walk humbly with you. Lord, please, we pray for the Chinese church. We pray for their perseverance. We pray that you would continue to strengthen them. We pray that you would grow their voice so that they might bless not only us but the whole world with their testimony and what they know of you that we struggle to see. Jesus, I thank you so much for this time here. And I just pray for these students. I pray for their lives. I pray that they would be encouraged. And I pray that as they go into their day that they would um, know and understand how big you are And how much that gives them so much to live for. We pray all of these things in your holy name. Amen.